This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. to the 58th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Tomorrow is Friday. I do not have to work, uh, so it is already the weekend for me. Uh, The Cardinals have advanced to the next round of the playoffs, and we are going to Columbia, Missouri this weekend for a football game. That's all great news especially the Cardinals. Um, I left work early a little bit, a little bit early to watch the Cardinals game. And I could have like gone back to work and everybody would have still been there because it was over that quickly. That was really fun to watch. Yeah. I was actually going to leave work a little bit early as well. And I was kind of just looking at my phone off and on and saw it was like one to zero at one point. I was like, Oh, I gotta get out of here. And then next time I looked, it was three to zero. I just kept looking. And it was like two or three more runs every single time I looked. Like so. Stay where you are. Yeah. Don't do anything. Exactly. So See how high it can good, go. Good luck charm. Yeah. So I didn't, I, I watched like some of the game in the middle, but I didn't see anything happen because it was already yeah very much over. Yeah. By the that rest point. of the game kind of flew by. Yeah. I was kind of thinking how often do you watch a sporting event, a, a three hour long sporting event? when it's completely over in the first 15 minutes of the game how often i was just sitting there like how bizarre is this i'm yeah. just watching a game where all the players all the fans the commentators everybody knows it's com- it's over yeah. but we're all just like going through the motions because we have to finish the game it was it was kind of one weird. thing that was really interesting that would never happen in any other situation is did you see how matt carpenter like basically took himself out of the game yeah because he i saw a video where he like went to the the coach or whoever who relayed it to the manager like you don't need me for my offense let's get the best defensive lineup out there just to prevent runs the rest of the game and just secure the win yeah maybe he was just like this is over i want to go have a beer and watch the rest of the game in the clubhouse but i don't know seemed like a smart move yeah i thought that was thought that was interesting but yeah i don't know if i've ever seen anything like that but it, it took all the suspense out which was a good thing in my mind so yeah moving on and the Dodgers lost, so the Cardinals have home field advantage in the NLCS. Yep. Which, if you'd have told me that that was going to happen like three months ago, two months ago, I would have never believed it. But uh, we've got a pretty cool show today. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of news. Um, we have kind of a lot to talk about with the Troy recap, even though it was a complete blowout. And um, we're going to preview Ole Miss and... Uh, that's fun because it's a game we're going to attend in person. But we'll start it out with some news, and we'll start with some basketball news. Got good news and bad news kind of peppered throughout this news section. Uh, first up, Javon Pickett and Jeremiah Tillman have been announced that they are representing Mizzou basketball at SEC Media Day. So um, somebody else, one of the uh, communications people from Mizzou said this feels like the first time that Kevin Perrier hasn't been there in like 10 years, <laughs> which is true. It feels like he was always the representative. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that, that is true. Kevin Perrier seemed like he, especially if you were on like an opposing team, you're probably just like, gosh, this guy yeah, has been Kevin playing Perrier for forever. Again. Yeah, because yeah, he played all four years a ton. So And Javon Pickett representing the team as a, a sophomore. Yeah. People might be thinking that about him in a few years. Exactly. Um, any thoughts on Drew Smith not being there? Um, If you would have asked me, I never would have thought like to think about who would be going. But if you'd asked me a week ago, I probably would have guessed maybe Drew Smith and Javon Pickett. Um, They were kind of fresh in my mind because there was a video posted about them both getting 4.0 GPAs in the past semester, which is really cool. Uh, Something I never did in college, so that's really impressive. Um, I mean, because how smart I am, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I would have probably predicted that Drew Smith would go, but... I don't know. You're not reading into it. Yeah, not neither really. am I. Yeah. Um, I, I think Javon Pickett is is a is a great choice. I mean, he seems like a really well-rounded guy. Just I don't know, definitely a, a leader on this team already, and a guy that we've heard numerous times is always in the gym, extra hours, and all that stuff. So a good uh, um, representative for the program. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see Jeremiah Tillman um, answer questions. I mean, I, it seems like Tillman's not somebody we hear a lot from yeah. uh, so far in his Mizzou career. So uh, he gets the occasional post-game uh, interview when they have a big game or something like that, and he performs well. So it's always I like to see them kind of spread the love around and hear from different people from time to time. Yeah. All right, so bad news for the basketball team. Torrance Watson was cited for a DWI in Columbia. This happened a while back. He's already served a suspension and is back with the team so as far as basketball is concerned it's like it never happened yeah it's kind of interesting um that he already served the suspension that we're just now hearing about it i don't know when this happened i don't know if there was any um information on on when specifically this happened or when the suspension was served but um usually seems like i don't know when something when you a suspension is you know a suspension of actual gameplay i know it's not basketball season but right um so i don't know if he just had to run extra suicides that day or something in practice or well i think uh the way that mizzou basketball the way their rules and things are set up is it's mandatory that you have to be away you're suspended from the team for a week okay so he probably wasn't allowed to practice for a week or you know do any of the team activities you're right though it does seem weird like what kind of a suspension is something in the off season like yeah I don't know. That's weird. He's probably like, okay, I get to miss practice. Cool. (laughs) No, I'm sure uh, the disappointment from, I don't know, just from, I have never even been around Conzo Martin, but the way he operates and everything, if I ever felt like I disappointed Conzo Martin, I think I would be very ashamed of myself. So that's probably all that's really needed for Torrance Watson to, and not even that is needed for him to realize that he messed up, but that's probably enough to kind of set him straight hopefully yeah. anyway i think i read on the internet somewhere that uh where he got pulled over was very close to the same place that jordan burnett got pulled over in his uh dwi which is interesting yeah it always seems like i don't know maybe guys are embarrassed or something to uh call for a ride or get help from somebody but at some point you got to kind of figure out that that's definitely the best move or their decision making is impaired well that could be the case <laughs> Anyway, uh, not much of a story there, but it's 
kind of interesting. Yeah, always disappointing when guys are in the news for the wrong reasons, but everybody was 19 at one point. So, um, Michael Porter Jr. has been in the news recently because he played in a real-life basketball game for the first time in a long time for the Denver Nuggets, and he didn't look too bad. Didn't look incredibly rusty. Um, a lot of Mizzou fans were waiting and waiting and waiting. This game happened to be on ESPN, a preseason NBA game. So did a lot of Mizzou of fans it? were waiting. I did. I was kind of watching off and on on my phone while I was doing other stuff. And I ended up giving up on it before he ever got into oh, the game. Really? So I just caught up after the fact. I almost did that as well. I, I watched uh, kind of the first half off and on. And then I just happened to, I think I was about ready to give up. And then I saw him like checking in. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And then he played pretty much the whole game, I think, uh, once he went yeah. in. but I, I kind of th- gave up once he put the warm-ups back on. Yeah. Um, I thought he looked I thought he looked good, though. I mean, obviously, it's been a really long time since he's played in a game. And so he pretty much went from playing in high school to playing in uh, you know, the NBA, which is, a, which is a jump. I know it's preseason and everything, but um, he definitely seemed like he still had that, like, just shooter's mentality. Like, every time he got the ball, he was looking to shoot. A lot um, of fadeaways. Yeah. Um, but the stroke looked very smooth. Um, it, it, it was going in very consistently. So um, that was a good thing to see, definitely. And it, I don't know, it was, it was just good to see him out there. Yeah. And um, if you had any doubts that Denver feels pretty good about him, uh, they must because they picked up his the team option that they had for him for next year worth $3.5 million. So yeah. in terms of NBA money, that's not a lot, a lot. Like they could probably waste, if you wanted to call it that, they could waste three and a half million dollars on a guy who's not going to do anything. Definitely um, take a chance on it. Yeah. But he's a guy you probably want to take a chance on. Yeah, there's still a salary cap, and that's going to count against the salary cap. So um, they had to make a decision, and they decided to at least invest another year in him. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would take that as a, a vote of confidence, and hopefully he gets in a, a lot of playing time. I mean, the Denver Nuggets are a pretty good team, so he might have some competition for playing time. But. For sure. But with his size and how if he can consistently come off the bench and score against other teams' second units, then I think he could be a really important player for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last bit of basketball news is the Mizzou basketball team will have an open practice. So if anybody can come watch them on Saturday at 1.30, and then they will be signing autographs afterwards at 4 o'clock. So... That's great news because we're going to be there. That is great news. I didn't realize I didn't I didn't um, hear about the autographs part. So that's a pretty lengthy practice. Well, they're going to be signing autographs in another location. Okay. So there will be a little bit of a gap in between, I believe. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go check that out. Um, we've done Mizzou Madness the last couple of years, and so that's always been kind of a fun event. Yeah, we were going to be pretty sad if they just didn't have anything whatsoever for the yeah. basketball team. Yeah, I think the homecoming football game time being the late game might have thrown them off a little bit because it's normally earlier in the day and then they do mizzou madness afterwards but um yeah it's always a fun event just uh just uh, it's very intimate um setting we're super close to the court and you kind of just get to see the guys and their personalities and um it's your first look at the you know new players and stuff like that so i don't know this year might be a little bit different in the past they've done some scrimmages and some dunk competitions and stuff like that seems like this year might have a little less production yeah yeah there was like an mc and like music and 
pyrotechnics and stuff like that mm-hmm. the last two years and the women's team was involved it doesn't seem like the women's team is going to be as involved because they i don't i don't think i've seen anything indicating the women's team is involved but okay. um yeah i'm thinking it could be actually kind of cool this way if you get to see if it's if there's less production maybe we'll get to see more like actual coaching yeah and stuff like it that, might actually which, be more interesting yeah. because in uh, in the scrimmages in the past they've kind of just i mean there's literally music playing yeah. through the PA system while they're scrimmaging. Think like NBA All-Star game where guys right. are just like not playing defense and just dunking and stuff, which is still cool to see, yeah. but and we'll probably see some of that too, but yeah. I'd be it'd be really cool to see some actual coaching take place. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Michael Porter Jr. was playing and he like didn't dunk well enough to like move on to the next round in the little competition and they just were like, oh, "Okay, do you guys he, want to see another dunk from him?" And yeah, like, he yeah. was like he didn't make like the championship round or whatever yeah <laughs> and then he was like no i'm going into the championship round And so mike kelly was just like do you guys want to see another dunk from mpj and we were and just like, like well yeah, sure of it. course we do and so then he, they uh crowned him the winner <laughs> even though like he was jordan, eliminated jordan barnett like had a much better dunk yeah yeah that was kind of funny that the last dunk that mpj had that's true would have won the competition yeah. if he hadn't already been eliminated <laughs> Uh, that's all I have for basketball, though. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and I unfortunately have kind of like negative thoughts in my mind about Mizzou Madness in the past because I feel like something terrible happens like right afterwards because obviously Michael Porter Jr. was uh, was fu- completely fine uh, two years ago. And then last year we watched John Tay Porter, who looked absolutely fantastic as well. And then we know what happened. Like, I think it was literally the next day. So hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Well, I wasn't thinking about it at all. And then you brought it up. You have a little so tear running down your cheek. I don't know if I can continue this show now. <laughs> uh, gonna have to sub me out, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Drew Smith. We saw him last year play in Mizzou Madness, and he looked really good. Yeah. And we were like noted, like, oh wow, wish this guy was playing this year. Moving on to football news, uh, Mizzou recruit Dante Manning released a top ten. I'll name them all for you. K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Arizona State, Oregon, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, and Mizzou. Yeah, um, Dante Manning is an in-state recruit. He was originally committed to Oklahoma. He is a cornerback, or a DB, I guess. Um, he decommitted from Oklahoma for, for reasons I, don't not, I do not know, um, but it, it looks like he's probably going to end up at Texas A&M along with... Uh, uh, the other instant guys, guy. the other guys that, yeah. Um, what's his name? Doyle. Yeah. Antonio Doyle. Is that his name? Close enough. Close enough. And then there's a, a third one who was originally committed to Tennessee. So those three guys, uh, all uncommitted at the moment, but it's looking like they're, they may be a little package deal at A&M. If it seems like we don't care, it's because we're pretty sure they're all going to A&M <laughs> <laughs> and we're kind of just bracing for if, that announcement. If, if Mizzou starts to become more uh, of a prominent player in this recruitment, then we will give you more excitement and more interest. Yeah. But at the moment, it's not looking good. So We'll update you I've moved on in my mind, if you can't tell. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go to somebody that I don't think either one of us have moved on from. Travion Ford will visit Mizzou this weekend. He is a five-star defensive end from St. Louis. Yeah, this guy is like uber talented. Uh, like everybody's on him early. Um, because <clears throat> I have think you he, moved on from him. I have not moved on from him. 
he seems to really like Mizzou, but I think he also just seems like a really positive guy and, and always has great things to say about anywhere he visits. But uh, definitely seems like Mizzou's going to get a definite look, um, and they've, they've done their due diligence early on. So hopefully they are uh, in with Travion all the way to the end. Um, that would be a big one. That would be huge, considering he's from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, that'd be awesome. So, yeah, he's going to be in town this weekend. All right. We're saving the big news of the week for last. So we have some uh, football roster news here. Um, Jordan Ulmer, safety, uh, has entered the transfer portal, to use the parlance of our times. Um, I think that's pretty much just a playing time thing. Um, he actually started a game, the, the season opener against Missouri State two years ago. Yep. And everybody's like, oh, watch out for this guy. And then haven't really seen much of him since then. Yeah, definitely um, loved Jordan Ulmer as a as a recruit um, a couple of years ago. I really liked his film. Um, seemed like a super talented, just good tackler, really tough kid. Um, heard really good things about him in camp that year, coming in as a true freshman. Uh, and then, got, like you said, got the start against Missouri State. Got absolutely torched. Didn't really play much the rest of the year that year. Um, and really uh, didn't play it all last year either because uh, Gillespie and, and Bledsoe kind of took over those roles and, and, and Oliver. So those guys have, like you said, kind of taken a lot of the playing time. And I think he's even gotten some playing time earlier this year and, again, just didn't look great and didn't grade out well, got beat a few times. And I don't know if it's a talent thing. I don't know if it's a scheme thing um, or some combination of the both, uh, of both but um, – definitely a guy who could still have a good career somewhere so wish him the best yeah hopefully it's just a change of scenery thing for him and he can resurface somewhere else and finish his career strong yeah and just i mean the guys in front of him just on on the field results had been better and they're they're young guys too so they're yeah that just happens sometimes Mm -hmm. you you end up buried just get stuck yeah. yeah uh another guy that we don't have as much information on but is also not uh, going to be a part of the Mizzou football team moving forward is Trajan Jeffcoat. He had just come back from injury and was actually, if I'm not mistaken, on the depth chart last week for the Troy game. And now he is no longer enrolled at Missouri and no longer on the football team. Yeah. I don't think anybody has any idea what happened here unless you're super close to the program. Um, just really And bizarre. even then you could probably get in trouble for saying much about it. Right. So I, I'm pretty sure it was literally like at game time some of the journalists and stuff got got wind of of him not being enrolled so we we found out right before was it the Troy game yeah yeah so that is unfortunate it's a big hit for for the defense and the team in general I mean he was a big recruit that we beat you know a lot of quality programs out for and was showing a lot of promise and was just coming off injury and everything so we were excited to get him back and obviously an area of need on the defense so um, that that one's going to sting for sure yeah, we may not know ever really exactly what happened. I mean, rumors will come out eventually, but when the coaches and stuff are citing like student confidentiality laws as reasons why they can't talk about stuff, then we're probably not going to know for a while. Um, I did also want to mention that there had been some rumors that uh, Mizzou has found out or has been notified from the NCAA that their decision on the postseason ban appeal is coming and just as soon as those rumors surfaced they were disputed 
by the university itself. So I don't know if word kind of leaked prematurely, but they are just flat out saying we have not heard from the NCAA regarding the appeal. Um, but I think there is enough gray area in their statement to maybe say that this these leaks are not completely unfounded. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times rumors, even coming from strange sources, can still have some truth to them. Like normally rumors don't just start up out of nowhere. Um, so I, I, I know I saw what you were talking about on Twitter. I, I know what you're talking about. I feel like it's there's probably some degree of truth to them. Um, and, and I don't know if the, if the university just like, kind of like you said, I don't know if they really want it to, to get out or if they're, they're probably not ready to, to announce it yet or to talk about it yet. So, um, it could be completely untrue or it could be something they just didn't want to get out. Yeah. Um, I don't think it changes a whole lot. I mean, whether it seems like in any, no matter what, when the university or when the NCAA notifies Missouri, then there's still going to be plenty of time to sit and speculate about what's their actual verdict is going to be. So I don't know. It doesn't really make too much of a difference to me at this point. I mean, yeah, I don't, it seems the later it goes into the football season, the more frustrating it is, but yeah, it's I kind of forgotten about already. it actually. Yeah. And I thought we would know by now. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's gone on really forever, but I don't, I don't really know um, what effect it's going to have, whether it's upheld or, or removed. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll get into that when it happens, but I think it's pretty standard that we'll know. I think, what do they say? Tw- they'll give us 24-hour notice before they tell us the decision. I can't and I don't know if, exactly. if us means us or the right. university. I don't yeah. know. If- I think the university gets like two weeks notice that the that they're going to be notified. Okay. And then it becomes public like two days later or something gotcha. like that. So I don't, I don't know if anybody really knows all the details right now, but I would not be surprised to see that decision come in the next two to three weeks. I honestly thought it was going to be before the end of September. Yeah. All right. So we saved the biggest news item for last. It's one of the most bittersweet uh, news items we've had on this podcast because Kale Garrett was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week for his second game in a row. And... Kale Garrett is likely to miss the remainder of the season after surgery to repair a torn pectoral. So really, really great news, followed by really, really bad news. We kind of knew both were coming before they were announced, but man, it yeah. just sucks. Oh man, I don't even know where to start here, and, and there's been so much discussion about this online anyway, so I don't want to go on about it forever, but obviously just a horrible, horrible thing, and uh, Kale Garrett was having one of the best seasons from any Mizzou defender I think I've ever seen. And yeah. maybe, I mean, he was, he was making a case to be like all American at the end of the year. Yeah. If he, he could regress to the mean a lot and still be in that conversation. Right. Yeah, he was doing like otherworldly things. And so, and I, I think it was interesting to hear Barry Odom talk, talk about it a little bit recently and just, um, and may, I, I don't even know if I'd, I'd really real, realize this, you know, Kale Garrett had kind of played through some, some tough times here at Mizzou and has really kind of built this program. And, um, it's, it's crazy to see where he came from as a recruit. I, he was a committed to Navy originally. And then, um, I think like right before signing day, he flipped to Mizzou because Barry Odom just, I don't know. I don't know if they needed an extra linebacker or he changed his mind on, on his evaluation of Kale Garrett. I don't know what happened, but he, he offered him super late. 
made this super late switch to Mizzou and, and here he is now. So, um, obviously devastating for this year. Um, I, in a minute, I'll, I'll probably talk about who's going to step up or who's going to try to step up, but, um, I don't know if there's going to be any extra year possibility available for him. I would say it's probably a long shot, but they're, they're going to try. Yeah, it'll be, I feel like it'll kind of be dependent on what his prospects look like for playing in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, if the pace he was going, somebody was going to give him a chance for sure. Mm-hmm. And somebody still might, but cause that's not an injury that in theory, you can come back from that injury and be totally fine. Yeah. That, a, that doesn't worry me career. for his, for yeah. his future as much as a, like a knee injury or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah, just on his last few games and, and, Actually, to piggyback off what you were saying with his kind of relationship with Barry Odom, Cale Garrett kind of became this like foundational piece that Barry Odom was kind of like connecting his career at Missouri so far to Cale Garrett. And it seemed like he, as a sophomore, Barry Odom kind of went all in with him and was like, this is going to be the leader of the defense moving forward. And he was... I'd say more successful than even Barry Odom thought he would be. I mean, you just can't predict the start of a senior season like this. He was just unbelievable. I mean, the he had a pick six two games ago. Then against South Carolina, had that heads-up fumble recovery in the end zone, and then another pick six, so three defensive touchdowns in three games. And his third interception came... His second and third interceptions came in this Troy game. So it just, the pace he was on obviously wasn't sustainable, but it was just incredible. And the sound tackling and just the way he ran the defense, you always talk about the linebacker being the quarterback of the defense, and he was that to a T. And we'll talk about later who his replacement is, and it'll just be really interesting to see if he can even fill 50% of the shoes that Kale Garrett left behind. Yeah, so the good thing is Kale Garrett's still going to be cheering his guys on on the sideline being a coach to him i guess hopefully helping him in the film room or right. whatever they need right so c- clearly he has a very good understanding of of where everybody needs to be on the field yeah uh that's all i have for news unless i missed anything it's good for me okay well let's uh do a really fun thing and recap a blowout missouri played troy this last weekend and they like i said blew him out 42 to 10 they didn't even have to score a point in the second half. And we'll talk about maybe why that happened shortly. But uh, to start it out, pretty much this is an exaggeration, but I have here that all of Troy's offense came in the first drive of the game, uh, which is almost true. They went 75 yards in 12 plays for a touchdown to take a 7-0 lead. And I wouldn't typically stop after the first drive of the game, but... I was kind of worried at this point. I was like, okay, we heard about this Troy offense, and if this is a you know sign, even if it's even if they can do this part of the time, this is going to be a really frustrating and scary game. Yeah, uh, I, we talked about it last week in the podcast that it, uh, I was not going to be surprised if this happened. Uh, if Troy came out with you know firing on all cylinders, and I don't know how every coach is different, but I don't know if they had a game plan very specifically designed, almost every play designed for this drive or or what they had thinking right. coming in, but uh, they clearly looked like they knew what they wanted to do on this drive, and Missouri was uh, not doing anything to stop it. So, um, but as as we'll talk about, I guess they they could not sustain that at all. Yeah, didn't last long. Um, 
Missouri answered on their first offensive drive with uh, 55 yards in five plays, and almost oh, pretty much all of that came on a 49-yard catch and run from Kelly Bryant to Cam Scott. And then, and man, get Cam Scott the ball more. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time he touches it, he's Electric. going for 20-plus yards and scoring or almost scoring. Uh, so yeah, Troy's offense kind of didn't do anything at all the rest of the game. <laughs> so we're not really going to talk about Troy's offense too much from here on out. They punted on their next four possessions, but Mizzou's offense, on the other hand, they just kept rolling and Larry Roundtree had on their second possession, Larry Roundtree kind of led the way with 50 rushing yards on that drive alone. And then, uh, Kelly Bryant ended that with a three yard touchdown run. And he had a big smile on his face. It was kind of cool to see him scamper into the end zone. We haven't really seen that too much this year. But they just started becoming dominant on offense. And the offensive line was doing everything they needed to do. Uh, The next possession for Missouri, Tyler Beatty got in on the action. Um, But that was when uh, Kelly Bryant hit Jonathan Nance for a 64-yard catch and run. That went for the touchdown. So just like that, Missouri's up 21-7. to Yeah, I I was immediately relieved uh, after that first touchdown drive from Troy whenever Missouri uh, came back and just easily drove down the field and looked like they were going to be able to do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, we talked about Troy's defense being pretty bad. and Horrible. Yeah, so when they just kind of, like, they hit an open receiver, really, is all they did, and Mm -hmm. they just... Nobody around him. Yeah, nobody around him. Nobody even looked like they wanted to tackle him. So like, okay, if this is going to happen all game, we'll be in pretty good shape, no matter what the op- Troy's offense does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offense, uh, Missouri's offense slowed down a little bit, uh, but the the defense just kept after Troy. Troy couldn't do anything, and eventually Kale Garrett got his uh, hand on a ball and reeled it in for his second interception of the season. He almost made it all the way back for a pick six, but he was brought down at the one-yard line. Man, that would have been something if he had two pick sixes in the same game. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was actually like pouring down rain at my house on Saturday, and so my like my TV uh, signal went out for yeah, maybe five or ten where minutes. I was watching. Yeah, so I uh, I I missed that first interception that Kale Garrett had that he returned to the one, but I was kind of following along on on Twitter for a little bit there. Yeah, I missed a few plays on the uh, drive that Kelly Bryant finished with a touchdown. I when the picture came back in for the satellite signal, they were celebrating and it said. Kelly Bryant, three-yard touchdown. Nice. Like, oh, okay, cool. That'll work. Uh, so, unfortunately, even though Mizzou had the ball at the one-yard line, um, there was a penalty, so that pushed him back to first and goal from the 16. But then on the next play, Kelly Bryant found Albert O in the corner of the end zone for an absolutely beautiful touchdown and one of one of Albert O's best touchdown catches in his career. Yeah. He's had some pretty good ones. Not that Albert O was not already going to be drafted potentially in the first round, but I think that catch may have made him a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, that's what that translates right yeah. there. Just, and, and just still a really good throw from Kelly Bryant. Perfectly executed from both of them. Yeah. Uh, three plays later when Troy had the ball back, uh, Kale Garrett got his second interception of the game. And this time he took it all the way back for his third defensive touchdown of the season. We talked about that a little bit already, but I don't know that there seems there's got to be some luck involved when you are scoring this many defensive touchdowns this this like I think five defensive touchdowns Missouri scored this year yeah and so there's got to be a little bit of luck involved but 
maybe that uh, turnover guru they've got is paying dividends. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was going to say. Well, well, two things. Kale Garrett did this with a torn pectoral lig- ligament yeah, or whatever we found it out is. later, yes. Um, so that's crazy. I think he had both of those interceptions after he got hurt. Right. So he's a freaking animal, Yeah. Uh, which we already knew. And then second of all, uh, yeah, I believe his name is David Gibbs. Is uh, We specifically hired him as our kind of DB coach because he's, a, like you said, turnover guru. Uh, just everywhere he goes, uh, teams just are super way in the positive uh, category on on turnovers and yeah i whether it's fumble recoveries or interceptions his teams just figure out how to do it yeah could have used maybe just a little bit of that in the wyoming game <laughs> i had that thought as well <laughs> uh yeah then on the literally on the next kickoff return troy fumbled the ball and that was recovered by mizzou uh, but penalties kind of derailed that drive and they had to settle for a 52 yard field goal attempt which mccann missed but it didn't matter too much because it was already 35-7 to at that point. And then uh, Troy punted for the fifth time in the first half. And Mizzou kind of just put together a drive. They had uh, a couple runs from Tyler Beatty, a catch from Daniel Parker Jr. They were spreading the ball around. And then uh, Kelly Bryant found Jalen Knox for a short touchdown catch to go up 42-7. to So... Now there's kind of a topic to talk about. And before we get to the blatantly late and dirty hit on Kelly Bryant, before that happened, I was watching this game with my wife, and I actually said to her, something could be bad here. Like, it was when, because the following had already happened. There was a late hit out of bounds on Kelly Bryant that was not flagged. It was obviously late and it was up around his head and neck i don't know how they missed it but you know sometimes they miss calls it happens the commentators even said he was two steps out of bounds then there was a targeting on a hit on alberto that was reversed okay i can deal with that a little bit but two kind of questionable hits and then offsetting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that's when i said to my wife Troy's going to be doing this stuff like they, they don't have anything to lose, to lose exactly. and they'd be happy to get a Mizzou player kicked out for the rest of the game for retaliating for something right they're losing 42 to 7 or whatever the score was at the time and they're they're already getting destroyed at what you know at what cost it, it just probably didn't matter to them yeah and I and they're I was frustrated just kinda, I was just kind of thinking out loud and she didn't quite understand what I meant but I was just like hopefully someone's gonna get hurt yeah hopefully a Mizzou player doesn't do something stupid and get thrown out of the game or get suspended for the first half of the Ole Miss game or just something like that. Yeah. Something bad is probably going to happen. And and even outside of those like notable plays, it was just chippy. There's just a lot of shoving and, and all the stuff that makes you nervous as a fan. (laughs) Yeah. And it'd be easy to say that, you know, they were just being fierce competitors or whatever, but when you're, when it's a blowout and, all your starters are still in. And one team is getting, you know, Mizzou wasn't hitting anybody late out of bounds. If they were, I'd be happy to point it out. They weren't, they didn't have any questionable hits. And this started in the second quarter. This wasn't really a thing in the first quarter too much. And then when the game was pretty much out of reach in the second quarter, this stuff started happening. So I don't think that's a coincidence. And I typically give people the benefit of the doubt. So I don't, I don't feel like I'm, 
too crazy and kind of linking these things together. So that gets us to the last play there, the touchdown pass. Uh, Troy defender, very late, was practically crawling at that point into Kelly Bryant's leg and held onto it around his knee as he fell to the ground. And it looked really bad on the replay. Yeah. And he did get flagged for it, as he should. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's really no way to spin it that it was clearly – a malicious hit and it we're so fortunate yeah that, i mean kelly ryan's probably gonna play this right. weekend and there's it, a very good chance he's 90 to 100 percent coming into this game he said he felt like he was 90 percent at practice i think yeah. today we are incredibly fortunate that that's what happened that the hit looked awful he like fell back on himself kind of like all the weight like went right on his knee and that was man. and his foot was being held on to so right. yeah so looked i'm not really bad i'm not a big fan of Troy no. right now or whoever that guy is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's really, there's literally nothing to talk about, about the second half of this game. Uh, both teams pulled their starters. Interesting that Troy pulled their starters. I mean, you don't, I mean, maybe for the fourth quarter, you see that some when you're losing like that, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that, I, and I, right after this play, I said, um, a Mizzou player, some backup Mizzou player is going to tee off on the Troy well, quarterback. Sure. Yeah. And because they probably should. Right. And I think I tweeted something to the effect of you only pull your starting quarterback exactly. whenever you know you're guilty. Right. And if I mean, you're expecting retaliation. like Right. That. And they it, exactly. Yeah. So they, they might say, well, you know, the game was already over and you know, well, you were expecting retaliation. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I truly believe that they they knew they had they had uh, done some dirty stuff and it was time to just move on with the season. Yeah, and for <laughs> Troy fans to be, I don't know, there were some Troy fans on Twitter that had some some questionable thoughts after the game, and I don't know. I just perhaps you and I are a little bit more reasonable than the average fan, and we can admit when our team is in the wrong on something. But it just seemed so obvious that they were in the wrong and there's some there's some things that I, well i try to avoid twitter confrontations anyway because there's <laughs> because nobody wins typically right. it's just uh it's just stupid and pointless yeah. but um at some point i feel like i need to defend you know my team and and at some point I, I, if I'm Troy, I'm probably not racing to publicly defend what I saw. Right. And I don't know, man, it's just, you gotta be able to know, even when you're a big fan or a former player of a team, you gotta know when you're in the wrong because everybody messes up and everybody does things they're not proud of. And you gotta realize this is when I should not be proud of my team and I'm not going to publicly defend my team because that was right. clearly malicious. Yeah. But there wasn't, there honestly wasn't that much defending Troy it was more like bashing Mizzou even though you just got beat by for being million. mean yeah yeah and like at one point I actually got involved on Twitter because somebody said that the series between Troy and Mizzou was tied at 1-1 I was like I don't think that's right and somebody else said no it's 3-1 and they were correct like I I was pretty sure that was right, and so I just looked it up real quick and saw that the series is 3-1, and so I replied to the other guy and said, yeah, 
this ha- uh, 2002 was a win. Uh, 2004 was a loss without famous loss to Troy that everybody knows about. 2005 was a win from Mizzou. And this year was a win from Mizzou. The wins were all blowouts. And I didn't have any commentary. I just posted the scores and the years confirming three and one. And I was told that I needed to leave the conversation because <laughs> I wasn't asked. So and another that, like classic example of a fan just like ignoring reality because they're just so focused on yeah. on the point they're trying to drive home. Yeah, then the, the conversation sort of changed to, well, Mizzou should beat Troy and I hope you would beat them in two thousand two when they were an FCS team and I was like I literally I literally just said, Is the series one and one or three and one? Because that's what we were talking about. I was just trying to help out with some facts. But when you're in that situation of just getting uh, beat down and your university's taking a lot of heat, I can understand you not responding well to facts like that. So no hard feelings against anybody on Twitter. It's just some questionable takes and maybe just if I if I'm in that position <laughs> Yeah. If I'm in that position as a Mizzou fan, I'm gonna stay far away from Twitter. One hundred percent. There's nothing I can read that's gonna make me feel better and my only thoughts are gonna be negative and I don't wanna put that out there. Just not a good idea anything you want to talk about about the second half of this game um uh not really just i mean kind of like you said nothing happened in the second half missouri clearly just wanted this game to be over they they didn't score a point but i mean honestly they might as well have just said the game's over like it doesn't matter we're just gonna drain the clock that they just ran the ball and punted and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> he just I mean, wanted to run the clock out, and that's yeah. it. Uh, Taylor Powell threw some passes. I think he was like six for eight. So easily his best performance this season in a reserve role. I'm still... I'm really glad we are not having the conversation this week. How how are we going to finish the season with Taylor Powell? Because I thought that we might have to have that conversation. Oh, yeah. And I was I was like... I mean, there was a lot of people on the internet saying that they felt like Missouri without Kelly Bryant would still be favored and and maybe they would be but I they were saying that that Missouri would still be favored in like every game except Georgia and Florida and that's possible I actually that's probably likely yeah but I would not I don't want to find out no and I would not be comfortable with that situation at all like I would I can almost like chalk up wins in those games like I I think I'm going to predict a lot of big wins for Missouri outside of those two games, and I would not even come close to being able to do that without Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I agree. Uh, He's had a great season. Uh, He's now very much leader of the team, the whole team. Everybody's got a rally behind him. I do think Taylor Powell is probably more capable than we think. I think that whenever he goes into the game, game's over, uh, it's garbage time. He's purposely – they're just telling him to hand off the ball in the game. I think that he really is a, a decent – he's got some talent uh, passing-wise, and he just hasn't had the chance to show it off because at the, at, whenever he's in the game, it doesn't matter. And there's backup offensive line in the game a lot of the times right. at that point, backup receivers. Right. So I, I feel I feel comfortable uh, with our backup option, but I just don't want him to have to prove himself this year. Oh, definitely. There were receivers in this game in the fourth quarter that I had never heard of. <laughs> I'm being completely honest. I they I saw them on the screen. I was like, I have no idea. Who oh that yeah, is. first career catches for uh, Nico Hay, a true freshman. I've heard of him. Tight end, and then uh, Toski Dove, who I believe is a redshirt freshman. I have never heard of him. Yeah, 
but congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Not to you. What? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, Kyle, on your first catch as, of your career. Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, they even trotted out their backup kicker for a 50-yard field goal that he missed. I didn't even see that happen, but that happened. Troy did add a field goal in garbage time. And the final score was 42 to 10. Yeah. So obviously Mizzou did not score in the second half, but they didn't need to. They didn't need to score in the second quarter, I don't think. So yeah. So let's talk about who is going to be replacing Cale Garrett um, because that's obviously a big deal. It's the middle linebacker position, which is one of the most important, if not the most important position in the defense. Um, Cam Wilkins is going to step in there. Uh, he is a sophomore, and he really does has very limited playing time, obviously being behind Kale Garrett on the depth chart, but he has got some some kind of garbage time uh, play this year, and he's looked pretty good. Um, obviously, he's going against teams that were dest- destroying already, but I do think that he's going to go in there and, and do well, and I think it helps to have um, Nick Bolton out there with him, and it helps to have Kale Garrett helping him on the sideline or in the film room, whatever. Um, obviously I don't think we're going to be, be seeing a pick six every week from him, but I think he's a guy that can come in there and, and be serviceable. And I think that we're, we hopefully won't see a huge drop off with the defense. I really hope not. Um, you got to wonder about just Kale Garrett's just pure tackling ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be really hard to replicate. That's and, true. But you make a good point about Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is actually graded out higher so far this season than Kale Garrett. when you look at, Right. different uh, outlets that do that sort of thing right and we obviously think so highly of kale garrett because he stands out so much with those huge turnover plays but um on a play-to-play basis nick bolton's right there with him and uh i i really think nick bolton and i've thought this f- probably for the past year or so i think nick uh, nick bolton has the chance to be one of the best linebackers that have ever played at missouri and that seems very hyperbolic but i really do think he's that good i think he's that smart um, and he, you were on it. You were high on him last year when you drafted him in your uh, seven. As I'm not your kidding, seven man. Seven I, I really have believed in this kid for a long time, and I, I think he's going to be great. And if if there's any positive way that you want to spin this at all, there's really not very many. But if you want to try to spin it positively, is that Cam Wilkins is going to come in here and anchor the defense for the next three years of his career, and we get a little bit earlier look at him than we thought we would. But um, this linebacking core has a great chance to be really, really good for the next three to four years. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, it's going to help so much to have Nick Bolton next to him. And I just think it, it'll be kind of scary with, we'll, we'll talk about Ole Miss here momentarily, but their brand of offense, I think will challenge the linebackers specifically in a way that, Probably no team would come close to being able to do since the Wyoming game, right? If we want to think about that, so yeah, and I'm not an X and O's guy, um, really, but um, I, I do think that Missouri is going to get creative with their coverages, and I think that Ronell Perkins will come in and kind of play, I guess, what you would deem a linebacker, maybe, in some of that bandit position that we've heard them talk about. I think Khalil Oliver can come in and kind of play um, some linebacker-ish. Uh, Hybrid linebacker safety. Type yeah. Thing, so, yeah. And, and obviously those guys are, are certainly capable. So they've been doing that plenty already this mm-hmm. year. So they'll be comfortable. Right. With I think, I think they'll get creative and, and try to, uh, I bet Cam Wilkins will probably, uh, be in only on, on run type plays. Um, they'll probably try to keep him out on, on third down. 
Um, I could be completely wrong. Maybe he'll ch- maybe he'll be playing as many snaps as Kale Garrett. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. So, um, before we, do you want to just go ahead and preview Ole Miss since we kind of got close to it, and then come back to the college football playoff sure. thing? Okay. So let's go ahead and preview Ole Miss. What uh, was there anything else on the depth chart that we needed to take note of? I don't think so. Okay. Um, Ole Miss, they are ranked 50th in the S&P Plus. Missouri, on the other hand, ranked 10th. That was kind of a news item. Um, anytime, every time that Missouri has increased in their S&P Plus ranking, um, there's always accusations of Mizzou bias because Mizzou grad Bill Connolly came up with the system. And congratulations to him. Like, what a like best-case scenario for him. He comes up with this analytical prediction ranking system and gets hired to ESPN for it. Yeah. Like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him. But he gets accused of Mizzou bias in a completely mathematical numbers only uh, formula that develops a ranking. So, Which Missouri is number 10 in this week. Yeah. So imagine, yeah, it's kind of weird. An, an unranked Missouri team being number 10 in his kind of analytical predictive analysis ratings, everybody gets a little, uh, everybody suspects something. But I, I truly think that um, Missouri has been that good. They've been yeah. that efficient um, yeah. outside of some horrible uh, breakdowns against Wyoming. They've been incredibly yeah. efficient. Uh, one ball bounces differently in the Wyoming game. Missouri pulls out a, a really close win. It looked terrible. It was really scary. But in that alternate reality, Missouri's like, between 10th and 15th in the AP poll, yeah. I believe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that's the difference between people's opinions when you're creating a ranking versus pure data. Yep. Ole Miss, like I said, number 50, and they are 76th on offense and 38th on defense. Their record so far this year is 3-3, three and 2-1 three, and one in conference. Their losses are came at Memphis to open the year at home against Cal and at Alabama. Their wins were all at home, home against Arkansas, Southeast Louisiana, and then this past weekend against Vanderbilt. So obviously they're 0-2 on the road. They are coached by Rich Rodriguez, and I don't know if you knew this, Kyle, but he was the inventor of the zone read play. Hmm, I did not know that. And he made it famous at when he was the head coach at West Virginia, and he had a quarterback named Pat White. Wow. I don't know if how in tune you were with Mizzou football back then, but there was a time where Mizzou and uh, Rich Rodriguez, Pat White led West Virginia were one and two in the nation. And I specifically remember watching the BCS reveal that night after Missouri had beaten Kansas in the sod racing game. And I was excited and I was like, uh, West Virginia was ranked ahead of them before the game, so prob- Missouri's probably going to be ranked second, but that's no big deal. Just win the Big 12 championship game, and you're in the national championship. And then they announced that West Virginia was number two, and I was like, what? what did- I missed something. Did they already announced Missouri? Because I just couldn't come to grips with the fact that Mizzou football was about to be the number one team in the BCS. So that's something I always think about when I think about West Virginia. Yeah. Um, I was definitely pretty early on in my, in my fandom days. 
Um, but that that is pretty that is pretty interesting, and unfortunately, that story didn't have a super happy ending. At least no, that's where it ended. Missouri was number one in the country, and <laughs> they ended the season right then. And that's Missouri true. was is still number one. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Ole Miss has had a pretty up and down season. Um, obviously, starting off the year with a loss to Memphis, which Memphis has been better than I thought they were going to be. Um, even after that that first better week, better than we thought they were. <laughs> I think they're ranked in the top twenty five now. Um, and then Cal is at least at one point was ranked in the top 25 and then Alabama, which Ole Miss played Alabama. They, uh, yes. Uh, Ole Miss played them pretty well, actually. Um, I think they, I don't know what the final score was, but I feel like that game was fairly competitive. Final score was 59 to 31. So yeah, I think Alabama kind of broke away at the end there, but it was 38 to 10 at halftime. Okay, Cameron making me look like an idiot, but I I felt like it was fairly competitive, and so uh, maybe I was thinking of South Carolina versus Alabama. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, Ole Miss is a lot better on defense than I thought they were going to be. Um, I still don't think they're great um, or good even, but I for some I, I just have in my mind that Ole Miss has like the trashest defense uh, ever. So Kelly Bryant and company may make them look. They definitely, they definitely looked trashest last year. They didn't look trashest against Vanderbilt this past weekend, but Vanderbilt might be the trashest team in the SEC. Yeah, I might have to agree with that. Well, something of note is that... Trashest is not a word. Well, duh. I wasn't going to point that out. Oh, okay. I've embarrassed you enough already. True. I was just going with it. Yeah, okay. Thanks. They switched quarterbacks. Ole Miss did. Their new quarterback, as of I think the Alabama game, is John Rice Plumley, and he's basically a running back who can throw a little bit. He was ten of eighteen passing for ninety-nine yards against Vanderbilt, but he ran twenty-two times for hundred and sixty-five yards and a touchdown. Against Alabama, he was ten of twenty-eight for one hundred and forty-one yards passing but he ran the ball 25 times for 109 yards and a touchdown so and that brings us back to talking about rich rodriguez the head coach he like i said invented the zone read he's all about having a mobile quarterback that he can just basically treat as another running back and do all kinds of reads and fakes and options you'll see a lot of triple option they may with with kale garrett not being there I think Ole Miss will try to run the ball 60 times. I, I think they will try their best to challenge the new linebacker and make him make reads and make tackles, basically. Why not? They're really good at getting numbers in their favor because they're using the quarterback as a running back. Mm -hmm. So they'll put three people in the backfield. The two running backs are just going to be blockers and – your whole defensive front is blocked. Yeah. Now, Missouri has one of the best defensive fronts in the country when it comes to run defense, so good luck with that strategy when you're going up against Kobe Whiteside and Jordan Elliott, and then you have Nick Bolton backing them up. But I think definitely their strategy is going to be to try to, if there's any way to expose Cam Wilkins, they're going to try to do that. Yeah, and it scares me a little bit um, because I think Ole Miss is really the first team that has the ability to 
beat Missouri in the way that Wyoming did um, with the kind of the mis- misdirection, you know, option game. So yeah, with a athletic quarterback, right? So I'm going to be a little bit nervous about that for sure. Um, hopefully, Missouri has learned their lesson from from that game. Yeah, uh, looking back at the old, uh, at the Vanderbilt game, Ole Miss ran the ball for 413 yards, which is insane. They averaged 9.4 yards per carry. Now that Vanderbilt defense, like we said, is pretty much the trashest. They rank they are ranked 109th in defensive efficiency. So that's not going to be anywhere close to the performance that they're going to put up against Mizzou. I hope so. Me too. But when it comes to passing, there's really one guy that they go to. It's kind of staggering. Uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore has 36 receptions on the season. The guy with the second most receptions on their team has nine, and three of those came last week against Vanderbilt. Yeah, uh, Elijah Moore is really good, obviously. Um, he's a guy that most people, that if you follow SEC football, you're aware of him. Uh, hopefully Missouri secondary is aware of him. Uh, I don't know what they plan to do to stifle him a little bit there, but they have Missouri has a great pass defense. Um, so I don't know, but whenever you're whenever you're prepared to stop the run on pretty much every play, um, sometimes a random pass can can really take advantage of you. So yeah, and I honestly I can deal with that. Yeah, in this in this type of game, if if they get beat one or two times with a a pass because they're selling out on the run every every play and have an extra guy up there to account for all the different options then that's something i can deal with however what will really stress me out is if they are just gashing missouri regularly on the ground because and that's something that they've done even even when they lose they have i mean their their top rushers in the alabama game had runs of 13 yards 30 yards 26 yards 20 yards those were that's uh four different guys so and they're ranked fourth in the nation in rushing explosiveness on offense so they most of their scores are just breakaway runs when a guy basically doesn't get touched for 40 yards into the end zone and i think that's been something that Missouri has that's been a strength of Missouri's defense this year is they have not allowed long runs I mean that one crazy long one by the quarterback in the Wyoming game other than that they've they've stuffed people at the line of scrimmage non-stop haven't allowed those big those big holes those big gashing runs yep and not that this is different than any other game I guess but truly no plays off like every every play they're gonna have to be zoned in and laser focused because like you said they're that that's how they score is in those big plays where um defense falls asleep or or whatever it is and it just takes a couple of those those big blocks so yeah and i think i think mizzou's offense is not really gonna have much trouble i mean i think Ole miss can get after the quarterback a little bit but missouri has been pretty good in at blocking everybody for the most part and I think the I think coach Dooley and the other offensive coaches are going to be able to come up with a game plan to get the ball out of Kelly Bryant's hands quickly and feed the running backs and I think they won't have any trouble moving the ball yeah I'm not worried about our offense in this game it's truly Ole Miss's run game that 
That scares me. So does it scare you enough to think that Mizzou is going to lose this game? Mm, could they? Certainly. Uh, I don't think they will, though. I think Missouri is going to win this game by 10 or so points. I think I'm going to predict 34-24 Mizzou. If we uh, are driving home from Columbia and we're all crying because Mizzou has lost this game, it will be because of what two or three things? What what happened that caused that to happen? Um, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is the, the defense gets bamboozled by uh, – by this run game and the option, the the misdirection. It doesn't even have to be all game. It can just be, you know, they can't adjust in time and it happens for the first half. Right. And I think it's also possible that, oh, man, it's crazy for me to, to say this, but Ole Miss defense is one of the better ones we face this year. And I think it's possible that Missouri could stall out a little bit. And we've pretty much had our way with just about any every team we've played this year, with the exception of maybe South Carolina. But... um I really, I really am, am worried about one thing and and only one thing, and that's Ole Miss's uh, run game. So, other than like injuries or something, right. I, I really think Missouri's offense is going to be fine. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that though is Missouri's wins have benefited so much from the defense literally putting points on the board, and True. it hasn't. They haven't needed it when it comes down to it at the end of the game, but the defense, the defense's ability to put the offense in manageable situations you know, a handful of times a game by either giving them points or setting them up for easy touchdowns. I mean, we saw last week, Missouri's defense set the offense up at the one yard line. They immediately committed a penalty. Luckily they overcame it and still scored the touchdown, but it's that kind of stuff that the offense does when they stall out in the red zone from time to time, when they have bad penalties that set them back, it's that kind of stuff that worries me. And if the defense isn't, you know, going the extra mile to set the offense up for easy drives it worries me a little bit yeah that's understandable however if we're making predictions i think that mizzou's defense will will figure it out i don't think they will need to figure much out i think they'll kind of have everything under control i think they'll be happy to force ole miss to pass the ball and i think that'll prove successful i think the defensive secondary will lock their guys down and they'll be able to kind of cheat a little bit on the run so i think mizzou's going to win this game by 17 points and i'm going to say 38 to whatever 21 is that 17 yeah yeah thank you i'm gonna say 38 21 cool two wins that's what we're predicting. When's the next time we're going to predict a loss? The Georgia, Georgia. game. Yeah. So well, fast forward. We'll to see that. how some of these games go. <laughs> I guess. I still probably wouldn't I predict think, a loss. I think you're yeah, probably right. All right. So now we'll do the segments that usually people skip over. So now you can just stop listening if you like. You heard the good stuff. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the college football playoff. And then we're going to pick some games at the end. Uh, The college football playoff, we drafted teams into our squads of teams. And whoever has the best four teams at the end of the year when the college football playoff 
is announced will be the winner. My teams consist of Clemson, LSU, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Kyle has Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, and Texas. Producer Cameron has Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, and Auburn. Now, Producer Cameron, Florida and Auburn played each other. They pretty much just swapped positions. Uh, Florida, I think, just took Auburn's spot at number seven. And Auburn maybe lost a couple from what where Florida was. But uh, we have the top 12 players. And Ohio State and Georgia are co-ranked at number three players, I said. We have the top 12 teams in the rankings. I believe you do still get the opportunity to switch out a team if you would like. And you thought about it last week long and hard. Yeah. Not really for a good reason. Okay. I don't think that I'm going to change this week either. Okay. I will also not be changing anything. Nothing, nothing for me. Okay. When We're does up. when does the college football playoff ranking start? I think next week. I want to say week eight has something to do with it. I don't know if it's before or before after. or after week eight. like I guess I could have went to nice for 2018 I can only look back on ESPN to week 10 November November 5th October is here, but college football fans will have to wait another month for the first set of college football playoff rankings to be released. Five sets of rankings will be released from a beginning November 5th before the final pairings are announced on December 8th. Cool. I mean, not cool because I wish they were here sooner, but... Yeah. Don't wish away your fall. Oh, I would never. Uh, before that, we'll have to give our predi- official predictions for what we think the first top five will be uh but anyway i'm not going to read all the teams again so right now i'm barely in the lead with an average ranking of six kyle's at 6.25 and producer cameron is at seven so still pretty close and we got a lot of big games that'll change that in a hurry yeah i was gonna see if there were any matchups between our teams this week well but i'm looking into that now take a uh, look oklahoma texas Ooh. producer cameron's oklahoma takes on kyle's texas oh yeah that could be big could be well, let's finish this episode off with some picks this is sec pick'em plus nebraska week seven edition we were even last week we both uh were plus three we both picked lsu we both missed on florida we both picked Georgia. You picked Ole Miss correctly. I correctly picked Nebraska. So the score right now is Kyle with 28, and I've got 33. And Kyle, you have solicited some help for this week's picks. Yeah, so um, Cameron has dominated me in this event uh, in the last year and a half or so. 
So I have decided to uh, reach out to a friend of the podcast. His name is Tristan. And he gave me some insight on a team that we are going to be picking on this week. Uh, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers. And he wow. lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is where the Tennessee Volunteers Ooh. also live. So I reached out to Tristan because I, I'm in need of some desperate help to kept on, catch up on Cameron in this event. Did he help you with the South Carolina-Georgia game at all? Uh, I did not ask for any help on that. Okay, let's pick that one real quick. Let's pick it. I'm going to pick Georgia. I'm picking Georgia. So the next game, Mississippi State is favored by seven points at Tennessee. That's my line. Go ahead. <laughs> Mississippi State is a road favorite. They're favored by seven at Tennessee. You I always say it's so much better than when me. When I'm looking at the uh, podcast afterwards when I'm editing it, I always see a little spike when I say the word at. <laughs> it's a little bit louder. That's funny. Um, all right. So, and this is what Tristan had to say um, about, about Tennessee. Before you even say it, I'm picking opposite of whatever you guys pick. Great. Um, and also, I asked him about LSU Florida, so uh, we're going to get there as well. But he says, Tennessee has more of a shot at an upset than Florida. The thought is, of course, with their new quarterback, uh, that they're on the rise again. So Tennessee fans think they're on the rise again with this new quarterback because they played Georgia pretty tough last week. Did they? They put in a new quarterback. His name is Marrer. Okay. Okay. Um, so Tristan says, if I'm looking for bonus points, then Tennessee game might be it. Uh, and Ooh. he thinks he, he and I both agree that Florida will be exposed this week. Oh, you picked against Florida last week and did not work out. And as did you. Yeah, correct. <laughs> didn't, didn't work out for me either. So Tristan and I both think that the Vols will lose, but it's going to be maybe a little bit closer than the rest of America thinks. Wait, <laughs> wait a second. So you're not picking Tennessee. Wait. You're going with the favorite, Mississippi State? Correct. You don't want the extra point? No. Well, I thought this whole thing was headed towards you picking Tennessee. No. Psych. <laughs> so Tristan basically, and I, we both agree that uh, it's going to be a better opportunity maybe than Florida versus LSU for the upset points, but we still think Mississippi State is going to win. Do I, I, do I have win. Florida LSU on this page? No, you no. literally don't. should probably add it. It's on there now. Uh, LSU. Minus 13 and a half. So we're, pick, we're picking Mississippi State. So that's another game. That, yeah, you and me, our teams play. <clears throat> a little more insight. Who play? Oh, Florida and LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah, a little more insight on the Tennessee quarterback situation. Yes. Uh, since you're, you might find this interesting since you are picking Tennessee, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tristan says, I think Marr is more of a true pocket passer uh, than their former quarterback. Oh, uh, yeah, JG. JG. Uh, he's more of a dual-threat guy. Um, I'll never forget when we were at the Mizzou game, at the Mizzou game, and they were playing Tennessee, and the, the Tennessee fan next to us was very obnoxious. She was cheering for JG the entire game, calling him JG. Only the problem was JG was not in the game. They were playing a backup quarterback, so she was cheering for the wrong quarterback the whole time. I didn't notice because I don't care about Tennessee or else I would have said something potentially, but we'll never know. Anyway, and so you she, guys, she doesn't want JG. I can promise you that. I, yeah, he's terrible. She liked him though. She's probably upset that they benched him. They're terrible. He's terrible. Well, I like this new guy. I mean, a pocket passer is exactly what Tennessee needed and Mississippi state. I think they've got the work cut out for him. 
you know, right. going uh, into Knoxville, trying to secure the seven, secure the win when you're favored by a touchdown on the road. It's always tough. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. Can't wait to get those upset points. That's just craziness. And that moves us to number one. Alabama is a 17-point favorite on the road at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is fraudulent. I pick Alabama. Wow. I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say Alabama. Alabama. Nice. Then we have UNLV at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a 14-point favorite, which is crazy because UNLV is really good. Did you know that, Kyle? Why did you say it like that, like at Vanderbilt, question mark? Uh, I don't Were know. you like just so shocked that no, Vanderbilt's I, like favored in a game? Well, I was I was like going all in on trying to convince you that UNLV is good. Oh, okay. So I just was being like, oh, Vanderbilt's okay. favored? Well, what? I'll what? have to think about it now that you've, you've put some doubt in my mind. UNLV's bad. Okay, well, then they're one and they're one and four. I'll pick Vanderbilt then. Yeah, me too. I didn't actually believe you. (laughs) Hope you know that. Okay, (laughs) I don't believe you. I don't believe that you didn't believe me. Well, I believe Vegas, who says Vanderbilt's a fourteen-point favorite. Isn't that surprising though? No matter who they're playing against, slightly. Okay, that's my only point. Okay, but yeah, UNLV is bad. I'll be pretty surprised if Vanderbilt does not win but they did steal that Kim Anderson recruit once like three years ago in basketball now that I don't remember you don't no who's that random uh he was like this big guy and Kim Anderson is apparently like calling him like every day Tony Mitchell yeah I think that was it (laughs) (laughs) all right Arkansas at, at Kentucky Kentucky is a seven point favorite Kentucky falling off a cliff yeah, but they're still going to win. Okay. I agree. That's tempting to pick Arkansas, honestly. People feel like it Arkansas is, is back, folks, and people feel like Kentucky's done, folks. Well, uh, folks, Arkansas and Tennessee are both not back, no matter how crazy their fan bases are. Sorry to break it to you. All right. Uh, okay, last SEC matchup, the one that I had to write in because I forgot about it. LSU... A 13 and a half point favorite at home against Florida in a top 10 matchup. I got to say 13 and a half seems large considering Florida just knocked off Auburn, who I thought was really good. Um, but Tristan and I both agree that Florida is going to get exposed this week. Picking now, LSU. On that one, I cannot disagree with you. That's fine. Because LSU absolutely is going to win that game. Absolutely. And it's going to wake people up, I think, to the fact that LSU is right up there in the top tier with oh i already know well yeah you and i know we're smart but america is going to be woken up oh man i can't wait and then that ra- that uh, leaves us with nebraska at minnesota to round it out minnesota is a seven and a half point favorite at home now, i'd like to reach out to yeah go ahead i'd like to reach out to a uh nebraska fan i know um for some insight uh producer cameron give us your thoughts on the game well, they looked okay against Northwestern, and they won. So thirteen to ten. Yes, but also it should have probably been like nineteen to ten. But they don't have a kicker, so oh, they literally don't have one. They just go no, for it every time. They have a safety who kicks field goals because both their kickers are hurt. 
Oh How did their kickers get hurt? Probably they played Troy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did last year and lost. <laughs> All right, so Minnesota is f- like what five and zero? Yeah, yeah. But they have played literally no one. I mean, they've played someone, but they've played no one good. Right. Uh, so I think they might be a little overhyped. Do it, do it. Give me Minnesota. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. 100% Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota and I'll give I'll give Nebraska the seven and a half. Minnesota's going to cover that oh, spread. Oh, wow. My goodness. It's coming back with a vengeance. I picked Nebraska last week, and they almost messed it up. I don't even know. how safety kicked a game-winning field goal. <laughs> that that really actually was amazing. Yeah, it was like a knuckleball. I didn't know if it was going to get How long of a field goal was it? Uh, like 30-some. 30 30-some. 30 That's longer than I could kick. Yeah. Me too. Did you see the Tennessee Titans kicker? Cairo he Santos missed, missed a 30 four. Something that yeah. He missed four field goals, and they cut him. There was Yeah, they immediately <laughs> dropped him. Um, <laughs> there was one that looked like it was surely blocked, and it wasn't. It like missed short <laughs> on like a 34 yard field goal. Oh, I see what you said. Oh, whoa, that's weird. I did not see that. Yeah, it was so bad that surely it was blocked. He used to play for the Chiefs. He was actually yeah. decent when he played for the Chiefs. Some of that, some of that little magic, that Chiefs magic made him good at kicking. Yeah. <laughs> I was wanting to look at something real quick. It was a 24 yard field goal. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. That's like shorter than an extra point. Can you look up who that uh, Mizzou basketball recruit was that we missed out on, like in like 2016? I'm pretty good on the Google machine, but I have no idea how I would even go about trying to find that. <laughs> Can you look up UNLV's basketball roster? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could. <laughs> We're gonna figure this out. He's like, he's probably like six eleven, seven foot. Producer Cameron Adrian Martinez, yeah, the pride of Nebraska. So 13 of 20 for 145 yards against Northwestern. He actually went out in that game, and the backup quarterback who played for Scott Frost at UCF yeah. played pretty well. Well, I don't think he's going to play this week if Martinez is healthy, but I haven't looked to see if Martinez is going to play yet. Kyle, did you find it already? I think I regret looking up this person's name uh, because I don't know how to say it. Oh, nice. But I think it's... Can you um, <laughs> look at three names down the list? Does that look familiar to you? Uh, yeah. Is that him? Let me let me look it up. Spell it for me. Uh, C H E I C K N A is his first name. Chiekna. Yeah, I got it. Dembele. Dembele. Um, is he like six eleven, seven foot center? I remember, uh, if that's him, I remember. I, I, yeah, he visited the same time as Aaron Gordon. God I, knows Gordon. how I was still interested in Missouri basketball at this time, but uh, we really wanted him. Yeah, We didn't get him. What are you doing over there? Accidentally playing videos. That's fine. Ooh, Mizzou Hoops suffers big recruiting miss. Kim Anderson was hoping to add six foot eleven. What's his name? To a recruiting class that definitely needed needed more heft. That yeah. was putting it lightly. Is that 2016? Yes. That article is from May 4th, 2016. There you go. 
Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Do I get to say thank you this time? Yes. Thank you. All right. Uh, that was a mess. Um, is this podcast over yet? I sure hope so. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, if you're still listening, we're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And if you're still listening, I'm on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for still listening. We'll see you next week. If you're still listening.